welcome to the SSE's Leading Change Podcast, brought to you by the Master Program of Business and Management. My name is Paulina. And I'm Sophie. And we are your hosts today. In today's episode, we'll talk about leadership in crisis. In particular, we will look into cognitive biases and how they impact business leaders when they're faced with a crisis and forced to make really tough calls. We hope you enjoy and learn something new as we go. Without further ado, let's get into it. As we all know, we are living in turbulent times. The world of business is becoming more and more global, complex and uncertain. I agree with you, Sophie. It seems to me that leaders of today are faced with all kinds of crises almost every other week. Dealing with those crises seems to be a key part of being a modern leader. That's so true. And in fact, it's often not the crisis itself that damages the organization the most, but the failed response to it. Well, we all know what happened in the past for the banking sector in the financial crisis, or what is not happening today regarding energy companies' reaction to climate change. Why is it that the leader's response to a crisis is often so flawed? Well, effective leaders rely on their problem-solving skills and previous knowledge. That's how we all solve issues. We rely on what we know and what we've experienced. These cognitive capabilities are acquired over time and they're among the most important aspects that make a great leader. Unfortunately, leaders, as all of us, are not always as rational in their decision-making as we think they are. Exactly. Many of us have perhaps heard of the term cognitive bias. Cognitive biases are the kind of things we are not really aware of, but that have a great impact on our decision-making. Studies actually show that in crisis, there are a number of cognitive biases affecting decision-makers, often leading to poor decisions. But I have good news for you. Simply being aware of the power of these biases can help us think more clearly. Well, there you said it. The fundamental reason for this podcast. This podcast is for you. Dear listener, whether you're a leader of today or tomorrow, we want you to learn more about this topic and become aware of these biases, all this so that one day you would be better equipped when faced with a crisis. In this episode, we will take a closer look at five different biases and in the end, give you a few key takeaways on how to tackle these biases in a crisis situation. So let's get started. When we, humans, are faced with a crisis, the first step is, of course, to make sense of it. We try to simplify the situation to avoid getting overwhelmed by data. The problem is that the way we think is built on previous experiences, meaning our past. But what happens when we're faced with very uncertain conditions? Something we can't really make sense out of. What we've seen is that it takes time and energy for a brain to adjust when we are in a new situation, such as a crisis. Because of this extra effort, we might easily make mistakes that can lead to disastrous results. Yes, indeed. Humans are generally good at understanding historical data and numbers, but poor at understanding future trends that include the threat of exponential growth, which is often a factor in the worst type of global crisis, just as we've seen with the current disastrous coronavirus. That is true. And as if this wasn't making things hard enough, there are many cognitive biases at this stage that make the decision-making even more difficult for the leaders. One of them is the confirmation bias. 
the tendency for us to seek and overemphasize the information that supports our desired way of seeing and explaining the crisis. And here's a clip of a recent TED talk where psychologist Flora Oswald explains why this is the case. Nobody has the time or the energy to think critically about every piece of information that they encounter. So no matter how well-trained we are, we have to apply our critical thinking skills selectively. It will always be more emotionally satisfying to think critically about ideas that we don't like than about ideas that we do like. The result is that even the best trained of us tend to use our critical thinking skills to reinforce our own biases instead of to combat them. Another bias attached to that is called the anchoring bias. That means humans are likely to focus on the information first available and use that as a reference point for all the decisions we take as the situation progresses. In a crisis situation, it's critical to adapt to changing information and leaders often fail in that due to this bias. The anchoring bias is also the reason why leaders rely too much on historical data and its ability to predict the future, which often leads to detrimental mistakes, especially in today's uncertain environment. People experience even more biases when they put their thoughts into action and take actual decisions. One such bias is the status quo bias. In simple terms, status quo bias means that when the leader is faced with a decision, they favor the way they currently do things and basically avoid making any kind of change. A classic example of this bias is the way the leaders of Nokia, world's biggest mobile manufacturer back in 2007, decided to stick with their old strategy, even though consumers' interest clearly shifted towards the new touchscreen smartphones. When Nokia finally reacted, it was already way too late. As a Finn, their story breaks my heart every single time. An interesting addition to what you just said, Sophie, is that apparently the more options you have to choose from, the stronger the bias towards status quo is. So the more complex the situation is, meaning more choices, the more likely you are to stick with your original plan and avoid any kind of change. Another thing I found interesting when exploring this topic is that in order for the leader to make a decision, they have to recognize that there is a potential for a choice. Often these slow crises, like the one Nokia faced, don't really appear like a real do-or-die type of a choice, actually quite the contrary. There, the bias of sticking with how things are right now is proven to be even stronger. Oh, that's a super interesting point, Paulina. Actually, attached to that, I'd like to talk about another bias, the so-called escalation of commitment. It means that when a leader has made some kind of decision to allocate resources, they want to see these resources as an investment rather than an expense, because an expense would be a wasted effort. This then means that even when encountered with harsh criticism, they're likely to stick with that failing course of action and invest even more. All this only to prove everyone doubting them that they were right and everyone else was wrong. So people don't like to admit that their past decisions were wrong. And what a better way to reassure everyone that what I decided was right and what you think is wrong than becoming even more committed to your original decision. Am I right? That's my point exactly. I actually have a great example of escalation of commitment that I would like to share with you guys. Recently, the CEO of the energy company BP has publicly attacked climate activists. Those had previously criticized BP for not ending their exploration projects and being way too slow in switching to renewable energy. 
The CEO is still justifying the company's strategy, which includes fossil fuels to a major part, instead of reacting in time to the climate crisis. That's an interesting insight. And to me, it seems like many companies are guilty of this bias when it comes to the actions they've taken, or, well, more precisely, not really taken, when tackling climate change. Many of these biases we've discussed so far are related to confidence we have over our own thinking. Here's an interesting insight on subjective confidence from Daniel Kahneman, the Nobel Prize winner and the world-renowned author of the book Thinking Fast and Slow. He explains why it's dangerous to trust ourselves or others based on the confidence we have over our own argument. Subjective confidence is actually not a judgment at all. It is a feeling. It is a feeling that people have. And I think we know what the origin of that feeling is. And it is assessing the fluency of its own processing. Assessing the coherence of the story that it has created to deal with the current situation. And if the story is coherent, confidence is high. Now this is disastrous in some ways. Because you can make a very coherent story out of very little information and out of information that is, in fact, not reliable. The quality of the story depends very little on the quality and quantity of the information. So people can be very confident with very little reason. So far, we've talked about the biases that make the decision-making of a leader flawed. It seems that we as individuals are heavily impacted by cognitive biases and somewhat unable to think rationally in a crisis situation. At this stage, many of you listening might wonder, in the real world, a leader rarely takes these decisions alone. Usually, the leader asks for support from the management team, for example. So does adding more people into the mix help? Well, one would think it does, but in reality, that isn't always the case. Acting as part of a group may actually amplify the effect of all cognitive biases. The reason for this is a behavioral bias called groupthink. Groupthink occurs when individuals identify with the values of the team they work with or the organization they work for, and basically uncritically accept its actions. Once a shared commitment is made, inconsistent information is usually suppressed. What might sound surprising is that according to studies, experts, who we expect to be critical towards any information, are especially prone to groupthink. Experts tend to limit information from all but few generally accepted sources of the industry. They repeat the same statements until these statements become the only approved way of seeing the situation. Sounds to me a lot like the financial crisis of 2008. There, everyone used the same models and the same projections and based their actions on each other. So it all became a self-reinforcing information circle and then a downfall. Talk about groupthink on a global level right there. Well, we all know how that ended. As we are now approaching the end of this podcast, we'd love to give you listeners a few key takeaways on how you, as a leader or a leader-to-be, could try to overcome these biases and take well-informed, rational decisions, even in a crisis situation. Our main takeaway was mentioned in the beginning, but it's so crucial that we want to repeat it. Be aware. 
being aware of these biases already improves your chances of avoiding them and helps you enormously in making rational decisions. Indeed. And even though we mention groupthink as a risk, there is even a greater risk of failure when trying to take these tough calls alone. As a leader, you want to surround yourself with a team of diverse people and support an open culture. We all use our past experiences and apply them for future scenarios, so including people with different backgrounds and skills to the decision-making should already help. It's necessary to assure that the team has people with diverse views who are not afraid to express their opinions. It's important to encourage everyone to speak up, even when their point contradicts the overall perspective of the team. So true. Our third key takeaway is that when the crisis hits you, try to first take a step back in order to prevent your focus from narrowing down too quickly. It's important to look for solutions outside your normal scope. Look at competitors, other industries, other countries. Perhaps someone else has already come up with something innovative that could be modified to work in your situation. Yes, definitely. And when it comes to gathering information, try to search for versatile, sometimes maybe even counterintuitive information outside of your own expertise bubble. There might be some surprising truth there, as there was in the case of the financial crisis. We humans tend to be over-optimistic and think nothing bad will happen to us personally. To overcome this, remind yourself of previous crises and think of good or failed actions that leaders took at this time. Yes, that's a great tip. And there's actually another simple trick for overcoming this optimism bias. Our brains are programmed in a way that we value avoiding losses higher than any potential gains. But here's the catch. Now that you know this mechanism, you can make use of it. Create a list of all potential financial losses that can happen to your company if or when a crisis hits you. The fact that you can see what you can lose should already make it easier for you to take immediate action. And last but not least, prepare. Proactively train your analytical problem-solving skills. Create worst and best-case scenarios and plan even for the unpleasant and unlikely. We all could use a bit more realism. Prepare for the best and even more for the worst. That's excellent advice. Thank you for listening. This was the Leading Change podcast on cognitive biases in crisis leadership. We really hope you enjoyed and learned something new. Stay safe and take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 